back in the uh, in the late 80s, I, I was trying to remember when it was. Uh, I think it was late 80s, um, and, and then into the 90s. There was a really hot controversy within evangelicalism, and it was it was coined the lordship salvation debate. Um, and, and what it really was about is about was about the nature of justification and sanctification. Um, and there were two primary groups. Uh, one was what was called the Lordship Salvation Group. The Lordship Salvation Group said that when you receive Jesus, you, you have to receive Him as Savior and Lord. Uh, and by the way, this is... For each group, this is what their stated position was. Now, whether it was, that was really what was taught or not is another matter. But these are, these are basically their stated positions. Uh, again, the Lordship Salvation, they said, well, when you receive Jesus, you need to receive Him as Jesus or as Savior and Lord. The non-Lordship, uh, that was, by the way, it was coined easy, by, by the Lordship people, they were, it was coined easy believism. Uh, and then the easy believismists said the lordships were the hard believisms. So we have hard believism, easy believism. They said, no, you just receive Jesus as Savior, not, not necessarily as Lord, just as your Savior. All the scriptures say is to receive Him as your Savior. Now, obviously, along the way, there were, there were all kinds of mischaracterizations both ways. Um, you know, the non-lordship were accusing the lordship of legalism and, and adding to the, to the gospel. And the lordship people were saying about the non-lordship people, uh, they're really teaching a, a truncated, deficient gospel. Um, and, and they teach that Jesus is, is not Savior. Uh, again, lordship said the, the non-lordship people, they call them easy believism. Um, non-lordship, to, you know, towards the lordship people were talking about. They teach commitment salvation or surrender salvation, and they're, they're, it was just a really hot debate. I don't know if how many, how many of you remember this whole issue? Okay, good. Most of us do. The, the issue really is what's the relationship between justification and sanctification? What's the relationship between the two? So let's, let's define our terms. Biblically, what is justification? What does justification mean uh, based on Scripture? Primarily Romans 3 and 4. Justification is a legal declaration of not guilty. You're declared not guilty. And we affirm as Protestant evangelicalism, as prodigal... Prodigal... In some cases, prodigal. As Protestant evangelicals, we, we believe that the Bible teaches that one is justified by faith and faith alone. And remember we talked about baptismal regeneration. That, that it's not faith plus baptism. It's not faith plus anything. It's faith and faith alone. Um, so justification it really is not a change of, of my, my practice. It's a change of my position. I am now legally righteous before God because of Christ by faith and faith alone. That's justification. What's sanctification? Well, we'll leave it open to the group. Yeah, so sanctification is my growth in holiness. So sanctification is that process of, of, well, of progressively becoming what I have been declared to be. I've been declared holy and righteous in His sight. Now, sanctification is that process by which 
I, it's a lifelong process, by the way. It, 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 it will continue and not be completed until, uh, until death or until the Lord comes again. Um, so, justification, sanctification. Now, it's vitally important that we keep these two doctrines. Uh, and by the way, these two, uh, these two doctrines are under the umbrella of salvation. So this morning, I'm going to be talking a lot about salvation versus discipleship. And so what I mean, when I, when I mean this morning, when I mean salvation and discipleship, I'm talking about justification and sanctification. Okay? Um, but typically, salvation is a broad umbrella term. And then under the term salvation, you have Election, justification, sanctification, glorification, those are all part of our salvation. Okay, so salvation is a broad term. But for our sakes this morning, I'll be using the term salvation and discipleship for justification, sanctification. Just, it's easier to say. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's important to keep these two uh, doctrines distinct because they are distinct. And we need to keep them separate because they are separate. But, as often is the case, we are not to separate them. They are, they are separate, but they are not to be separated. All right, and hopefully that will flesh out this morning as, as we go along. Um, if we fail to keep them separate, we basically have Roman Catholicism. Roman Catholicism, in essence, takes sanctification and justification and, and, and conflates them. This word conflate means to merge or to fuse together. So Roman Catholic doctrine takes sanctification and justification and merges them together. Uh, we have to avoid that. When you do that, when you do not distinguish between justification and sanctification, then you have works, then you have legalism. On the other hand, a failure to keep them together <laughs> is an equal error, and one while one results or results in legalism, the other results in license. And license means eh, do whatever I want. You know, I'm justified, I'm saved, I can, I can live however I want. Um, we have to we have to keep them separate, um, but we have to also keep them together. Um, so, the Lordship group, the danger that they have, this group has, is they tend to combine the two. Over time, even though their stated position is, is they are distinguished, they have a tendency to start to conflate them. The non-Lordship has a tendency to do what? Even further separate them. Oftentimes, this is what I found fascinating, and I, I distinctly remember this, as time went on, because this is probably... I'm thinking what ten, it was a 10-year, kind of a 5- to 10-year window where this was Zane Hodges and all these guys were going at it. They were, boy, they couldn't publish fast enough. Yeah, they couldn't publish books fast enough. It seemed like over time that, that, that there's, they, they both started, one started merging more and the other started moving away uh, in response to the other group. Um, because they wanted to distance themselves from the other group. And so the, I saw the non-lordship people kind of started starting to separate them a lot more than originally. And I saw the lordship group starting to combine them uh, uh, over time. Um, so, uh, as you've seen in your outline, justification and sanctification are related. And, and I'm going to rhyme here. They are related, but they must not be conflated. Um, 
You can relate, but don't conflate. Because they are distinct does not therefore mean that they are to be disconnected or disassociated. Um, and, and if you notice in the top of your outline, I say distinct but complementary. Now, here, here's what's going to happen this morning. Uh, those of you that lean more towards the lordship side, you're going you're to want to push back. But all I ask is that you hear, hear me out. Those of you that maybe lean more towards the non-lordship, you're going to want to push back. Just hear me out. Make sure you hear what I'm saying, not what you think I'm saying. Okay? Because this is a really... Well, I don't know if it is anymore. Maybe it's not. It was a really emotionally charged um, issue uh, back in the 80s and 90s. Distinct but complementary. And, and, and what I'm going to advocate is that there is a delicate balance. There is a delicate relationship um, that, that I thought would best be illustrated by a series of comparisons or probably more accurately a series of contrasts. Um, th- so this will kind of be a unique approach uh, in, terms of, in terms of a sermon, in terms of looking at this. Um, but hopefully it will illustrate uh, the, the biblically necessary, I guess, middle ground um, that, that I think that we need to have. Now, there will, there is, there, as I reviewed, there's just, I just went through and just kind of thought through some of these issues. So some of these will overlap. Some of them may be even more of a restatement of the other. Um, so they're not all the ones I've listed here. These are just random thoughts. So some of them overlap. Some of them are maybe a, a kind of, uh, of restatement. But in any event, let's, let's uh, look at these 11... Uh, contrast between salvation and discipleship. Number one, the call to salvation is come unto me. Come unto me. That classic passage, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Uh, come unto me, all you are heavy, are, are, are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Um, John six thirty seven. This 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 notion of of come to me. So this aspect, the, the call to salvation, focuses on the cross that Christ took up once for all. This focuses on the Christ, uh, on the cross that Christ took up once for all. The call to salvation is come unto me. Romans 10:13, call upon his name. That's salvation. The call to discipleship is come after me. Uh, Turn your Bibles to Luke 9.23, if you would, please. Luke And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is the man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? 
Whereas the call to salvation is come unto me, the call to discipleship is come after me, come follow me. This focuses on the cross that I am to take up daily. Come to me is the focus is on the cross that Christ took up once for all. This call is focuses on the cross that I am to take up daily. So, does a person decide to become a disciple? What do you think? Yes. Of course. But the point is, a saved person will make that decision to follow. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to jump too far ahead of myself. Again, a call to salvation is simply, come unto me. The call to discipleship is, come after me. That is certainly a decision. That decision we make every single day, quite frankly. A saved person will, however, make that decision to follow. Number two, the sinner is not commanded to obey the demands of discipleship in order to be saved. Typically, those texts that are put forth uh, by those who believe, um, typically the, the text put forth by those who are on the lordship side really don't have to do with salvation. They have to do with discipleship. For instance, um, turn to Luke 14. This is this is often used as as a proof text. Um, Here, Luke fourteen twenty six. Verse twenty five. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Um, turn back to chapter 10, verse 25. Same, same book, Luke 10, 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all, with all thy heart, with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells the story of um, uh, the Good Samaritan, peril of the Good Samaritan. Uh, so he basically said, Do this and you'll live. Do what? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Um, how many of you remember the rich young ruler? What was the story of the rich young ruler? Yeah, Jesus, he came to Jesus and, and Jesus said, what, what must I do to receive eternal life? And what does Jesus say? What does the law? What does the law say? And he quotes the first two or three commandments. Jesus says, one thing you lack, give everything away that you own and come follow me and you'll have life. And what did he do? 
He went away. See, the, the Lordship will point to that and say, see, that, that there has to be a whole life commitment. So what they do with that text, though, is, they, is, is they, they don't really read what that text is really saying. What did Jesus say to him in order for him order to receive eternal life? What does the text say? I suppose we could turn there. Uh, where is that? What's that? Mark 10:17. Yes, thank you. There came one running, kneeled to him, and asked, "Good master, what shall I do that I might I may inherit eternal life?" How would you answer that question? How would you answer that question? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. Jesus said to him, what, "Why callest thou me good? There is none but none good but one, that is God." Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said, And Master, all these I have observed from my youth. So what was he relying on? The law. Right. His works. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing you lack, go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up your cross, and follow me. Now... What does the text say? Jesus, what, what did Jesus tell him in order to receive? If this is a salvation text, what does he have to do to be saved? Sell everything. Really. So if he would have sold everything, he would have been saved? So here's what we typically do. We start reading into the text at this point. We start reading in and say, well, he has, you have to be willing to give everything up. That's not what the text says. The text says, Jesus told him... But see, we, we, when we assume this is talking about salvation, we have to make it fit. Really what Jesus is saying is, if, if you think that you are going to be saved by the law, Jesus is trying to point out the fact that he cannot be saved by the law. Otherwise, we have to read into it. The, the sinner is not commanded to obey the demands of discipleship in order to be saved. That's number one. So, those of you that are feeling uncomfortable, here's number two. But the disciple seeks to fulfill all the demands of discipleship because he is saved. Do you see the distinction? See the, 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 We don't make it a precondition to be saved, but a true disciple that believes seeks to fulfill all those demands of discipleship because he is saved. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works. The the, the person who truly places their faith and trust in Christ alone will want to fulfill all the demands of discipleship, but we don't make the demands of discipleship part part of their salvation. We'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. Again, a lot of these overlap and, and, and they're restated as we go on. Number three, discipleship and all that it involves is not a requirement for salvation. And that's almost a restatement of what, what we just said. Uh, discipleship and all that that involves is not a requirement for salvation. Prior to faith, they are spiritually unable to do this. The only things the scripture says that God enables someone to do is two things. To be saved. 
that God enables them to do is what? What does God grant? God grants faith and God grants repentance. Acts 11.18, 2 Timothy 2.25, that God grants repentance unto life. So that's not a human work because that's something that God, that God grants them. Faith is not a work because for by grace you've been saved through faith. Not a, it, is, it is a gift of God, not a result of works that anyone should boast. So faith and repentance are two things that the scripture says are granted to us by God. So they're not works. The scriptures then say that commitment is granted to us. Or a willingness to, 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 to give everything away is not granted to us in order to be saved. Discipleship and all that it involves is not a requirement for salvation because they are not capable of doing that. Are they capable of repenting? Yes, because God grants that, the scriptures tell us. Are they capable of exercising faith? Yes, because the scriptures say that's a gift from God. But when we start asking other things of them, they're, before they're regenerated, they don't have the capacity to do that. If these were necessary for salvation, no one would be saved. Discipleship and all that it involves is not a requirement for salvation. However, discipleship is the expectation of every saved person. Turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Man, it's dry. Titus 2.11 And yes, we will start at verse 11. Yeah, I'm, I'm committed now. For the grace of God, it's first, first Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus. So it's right after Second Timothy. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That's discipleship. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So, a disciple has a heart and a desire, and in fact has a zeal for good works. But we don't make good works a condition to be saved. Discipleship is the expectation of every saved person. We, we should expect someone who has trusted in Christ to fulfill the demands of, of discipleship. Number four, every saved person is saved by faith and faith alone. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because it goes without saying that we just talked about this. This means that, that it's not faith plus obedience. It's not play, faith plus surrender. It's not faith plus submission. It's not faith plus a willingness to give everything away. It is faith and faith alone. However, every saved person is a follower of Christ. So in this sense, every saved person is a disciple. They take up their cross daily and follow Him, as Luke 9.23 says. Number five, salvation is free and without price. Salvation is free and without price. Romans 6.23 
For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So salvation is free and without price. However, discipleship is costly, and the cost must be counted. Uh, Luke 14, 25. I don't know why he's camped out in Luke, but there are some parallel passages. Again, he says... If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then he gives these two, these two parables. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply after he hath laid the foundation is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth down first and consulteth whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, and if salt has lost his Savior, wherewith shall it be seasoned? Discipleship is costly and the cost must be counted. Well, again, many want to make this a salvation verse. We're going to come back to it in a minute. But but let me ask you, does a disciple spend regular, consistent time in prayer? Does a disciple spend regular, consistent time Time in devotion and study in the Word of God? Does a disciple fellowship with other believers? How many Christians don't do that, though? So are we prepared to say they're not disciples? They're not saved? Are we prepared to say they're not saved? If we make this unconditional... Discipleship is costly, and the cost must be counted. Number six, salvation is believing in Christ. Acts sixteen thirty thirty one. That the classic. I love this. The Philippian jailer. This is no. This is 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 not meant to be um, the synchronon of all gospel presentations, but it is the gospel in its most fundamental, most basic form. What did he say to the Philippian jailer when the Philippian jailer said, What must I do to be saved? What did who was it? Peter, tell him. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. That was the most succinct kernel in order to be saved. Believe. Discipleship is following Christ, and we've already looked at some of these, and learning from him. They are distinct, but they're not separated. In fact, believing starts the whole process of following. Well, one of the one of the things that I learned that was just really radical for me that I that, that I never really saw before, um, and it was in seminary. And by the way, our next series that we're going to start in several weeks, we're, I, I'm going to go through the Gospel of Mark because we've never I don't think we've ever done anything in the Gospels. But when you look at the disciples, we. The, 
in, in, in the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you give the impression that Jesus is walking along and he sees Matthew at the tax collector's book. He says, come, follow me. And Matthew goes, okay, and, gives it, and he does, and he gives everything away. Do you know that wasn't the first time that Jesus had interacted with Matthew? The, the, the disciples, and we'll, we'll look at this when we start going through the Gospels, the disciples had an ongoing relationship. They would come spend some time with Jesus and then they'd go back to work. They'd come spend time with Jesus and they'd go back to work. It wasn't until he called them as apostles that they came with him full time. There, 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 there were stages, if you will, in their relationship with Jesus. It wasn't like, uh, you know, I always thought that it was just seemed so odd to me that he's come along and he tells to Matthew, you know, okay, give up all your, all your tax collecting and come follow me. That was after a series of relationships that Matthew had had with Jesus. Discipleship is following Christ. Take up your cross and follow Him and learning from Him. And number seven. We need to pick it up here, I guess. With salvation, the emphasis is upon what Christ has done for us. When we, when we preach the gospel, it is not about what our responsibilities to God are. The focus and the emphasis is on what God is upon what Christ has done for us. With discipleship, the emphasis is upon what we must do for Christ. Godliness, holiness. Now we talk about obedience and fellowship, word and prayer. Those are issues of discipleship, not salvation. The emphasis in salvation is on what Christ has done for us. Discipleship, the emphasis is upon what we must do for Christ. Number eight, the unsaved person must confess Christ. A disciple must deny self. We don't come to the, to the unbeliever and say, now you have to deny yourself before you can come to know Christ. First of all, they can't. We say, confess Christ. Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 trust and put your faith in Christ come to him call upon him by faith alone that's our message but then once a person receives Christ now we talk about this whole issue of discipleship and now it's not just confessing Christ but now it's a life of denying self number nine salvation is coming to Christ and finding rest from the burden of sin Salvation is coming to Christ and finding rest from the burden of the law and sin. Uh, Galatians 5. Turn to Galatians 5 with me, if you would. Did anybody pick up on I'm reading from the King James this morning? I know, I did it for Sal. And I know, but one Sunday doesn't end. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Sal. Yeah, he's uh, he. There, Sal and Susan are with their grandbaby in uh, in St. Louis. So, okay, where was I? Galatians five. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, what bondage is he talking about? He's talking about the law. And this is something that we as 21st century New Covenant Gentiles don't fully appreciate. We don't fully appreciate the burden that the law was to the average Jew. 
It, it was an oppressive burden. Quite frankly, I think that the, the modern day example would be as if you talk to the average Muslim. Now, 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 even within Islam, there's different kinds of, we understand that, but to a devout Muslim, uh, Islam is a burden. The, the demands of Islam are a burden. Um, and to be released from that um, it, it is, is to remove a yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. So they were saying that, remember the Galatian heresies, that you had to become a Jew first, you had to be circumcised to become a Jew, then you could become a Christian. They had a whole uh, conference to, to straighten that, that mess out. Salvation is coming to Christ and finding rest and release from the burden of, of, the, sin, of the law and sin. Discipleship is taking Christ's yoke and learning from Him. So, Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What does Jesus say in eleven twenty nine? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am humble and gentle in heart. So we, we take off a yoke of the law and of burden and of bondage, but disciple, that's salvation, but discipleship is we put on a yoke of Christ and following Christ, and it is gentle uh, and it is humble and hard. It is, it is not a burden. But there is a yoke. We are to follow Him. Number 10. Uh, we'll, we'll go through these quickly because some of these we've already talked about. Salvation has to do with my position. Discipleship has to do with my practice. Now, if my position, if I place my faith and trust in Christ alone, and now my position is I am holy and blameless in His sight, I am declared not guilty then discipleship means that my practice will line up with my position. But we keep them separate. Number 11, finally, salvation is instantaneous by faith. It is finished in a moment of faith. Justification is instantaneous the moment we believe. Discipleship is a lifelong process by faithfulness. And it's not finished until we go to be with the Lord. Let me, let me wrap this thing up here if I can. Uh, I, I know the, the, the lid of the can has been, has been open, wide open. I'm not sure I'll be able to close it back up this morning. Um, let me talk about this issue of lordship. I, I affirm that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord whether one recognizes Him as Lord or not. Now let's, let's, let's make that very, very clear. Whether someone's... Even if an, let, me put it, let me ask you this. Is Jesus Lord uh, even over unbelievers? Yes. Of course He is. So, let's be really clear. Jesus is Lord. Whether I recognize Him, whether anybody recognizes Him as, as Lord or not, He is Lord. So when we receive Him, we, we, we essentially, when we exercise faith, when we believe in Jesus, because He is Lord, in essence, I guess you'd say he, you are believing in Him as Savior and Lord. So, but, but I think what the Lordship salvationists are responding to or, or rejecting 
um, is, is, is something different than that. But, but I think that we have to recognize that when we, when we, when so, we call someone to believe in Jesus... They are believing in Jesus and all that He is. And, and, and the issue is, well, let me back up. When one trusts in Christ, he is already Savior and Lord. I'm getting ahead of myself. To what extent of lordship do we expect a, a new convert or someone who is not yet trusted in Christ, to what extent of lordship do we expect them to understand and give consent to? We read those passages in Luke. Unless you hate your father, hate your mother, hate your brother, sister, and you cannot be my disciple. Unless you give up everything you own, you cannot be my disciple. How many of you had someone walk through those passages in Luke when they shared the gospel with you? If these are necessary for... For salvation, then why don't we need to walk? We need to make sure, because I hear this all the time. We need to make sure that they that they that they're really committed. The, again, as I said earlier, the fact of the matter is, is every single one of us is faced with that question every single day of our lives. It is a daily, almost moment by moment decision. Will I recognize Jesus as Lord in my life? And far too often, I do not consent to His Lordship. You know what? Neither do you. So let's be careful about expecting too much consent and understanding of what Jesus is requiring of them to be saved. When we do what we want and not what Jesus wants, we are rejecting His Lordship. Again, so let's be very cautious about using uh, that, how much they have to, 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 to accept Him as Lord as a condition for salvation. Here, here's, here's how I've come down in this whole controversy. I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit with that. I'm going to share the gospel as I see that the scripture has told us to share the gospel. I will leave commitment, surrender, uh, all that. I, I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit with that. Because God, the, the Holy Spirit works in every single one of us in our sanctification completely different at different rates and in different ways. I mean, I could tell you stories. Uh, when we first started this church, we had, we had a gentleman that came to our church and... Uh, he, he, would, he would play music in bars on Saturday night. No, it's not who you're thinking. This was way early. This was not Mark. Okay, I'll write that. It wasn't Mark Mahoney. Okay, I know that's what you're thinking. It was way before Mark. And I had, I had, man, I had an issue with that. that. That was not a healthy environment. So you know what I wanted to do? So, man, you, you, you can't do that. You've got to stop that. You've got to stop playing in bars. I didn't. You know what I did? I prayed. I said, God, I pray you'd work in his life. I pray that you would grow him. Um, and it was like three or four months later, and he came, and he, he finally, I said, oh, and he would come to worship me, really worn out and tired because he, you know, played till two, three o'clock in the morning. And he said, you know, I, this is just not a good place for me. It's not a good environment for me to be in. 
You see the difference? The Lord brought him to that place. Now, sin is different. The things that are blatant sin, I'm not saying we overlook sin. Um, but, but I think what I'm advocating is, let's preach the gospel of come unto me, call upon the name of the Lord, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And, and, and I think the, the, the issue is not justification. The, the problem in the church is not the gospel we preach, it's the discipleship that we expect. And I'll just be, let's just be frank and honest here. Pastors are very reticent to hold people accountable to biblical discipleship because they might leave your church. They'll go somewhere where the costs are not as great or, or they're not held to the same accountability. See, the problem is not the gospel. The problem is discipleship. When we see weak and deficient discipleship, the solution is not to change the gospel to make it more rigorous and make it harder to believe. The solution is to start operating from a from the body of Christ's biblical standpoint and mutual edification, exhortation, and rebuke, and encouragement. All the things that the scriptures talk about, the one another stuff, to love, encourage. So you see... What we want to do is we don't want to do the hard work of holding each other accountable for discipleship. So we want, to, we want to shift it over and we want to front load it and make it really hard for them to come in, hopefully so that they know all that's required of them so that when they come into the church, we don't have to do that. Is salvation discipleship? No. Does discipleship follow true salvation? Yes. If you combine them, you get legalism. If you separate them, you get license. Licentiousness, antinomianism, lawlessness. And you don't deal with deficient discipleship by adding demands to salvation. Over the next several weeks, what I want us to do is, is I want us to look at Romans chapter 6, because Romans 6 really deals with this tension. Actually, it's Romans 5.20 through the chapter 6. And so this is not the last time we'll have this discussion. If you have questions, you can, uh, you can email me uh, later or whatever. Um, but, but we're going to take the next couple of weeks and flesh this out a little bit more and look at what Paul says, because th- th- this is a very real issue that we really need to to get clear on is this relationship between justification and sanctification. By all means, we want to to preach a true gospel, but by no means do we want to communicate that that it, it doesn't make any changes in one's life that you go about your merry way and you, you've thrown Jesus in your, your backpack of religious beliefs and now I can go on living however I want to live. Uh, and Paul deals with that very issue in Romans chapter 6. So we'll do a, a short series in Romans chapter 6 just to kind of flesh this out. We can't do this in one Sunday. Um, flesh that out. And then, and then as I said, um, our, our next series that I plan on is going through the, the Gospel of Mark. Um, Mark uh, chapters 1 through 8 will take us basically to the end of the year. 
uh, and we'll take a break and, and continue next year. So, um, hopefully, that's the, the, the contrast will help will help maybe clarify the relationship between justification and sanctification. We don't want to combine them, but we we cannot separate them either. And Paul says that. Paul would say, God forbid that we would separate them. May it never be. Okay? So, let's pray, and uh, we will be on our way. And that even rhymed. Father, we, uh, this is a delicate balance, Lord. Um, Father, we don't want to err uh, when it comes to the, the doctrine of justification and sanctification. Our desire is not to be in any kind of error, however small or certainly not great. So, Lord, help us to, help us to negotiate and navigate uh, through the, the, this, this tension, the, the, this, this comp- these complementary truths of, of justification and sanctification. And that, that, Lord, that we, would, that we would recognize that the problem, if the problem is with discipleship, then we need to handle it from a discipleship standpoint and not try to change and front load the gospel. Father, certainly we would, we would never want to communicate to anyone that salvation is just a basic, mere intellectual assent. That, that it's just that you are, uh, you are the sum total of um, some, some things that we affirm. And, and that you make no difference in our lives whatsoever. God forbid that we ever communicate that. But Lord, I pray that we would, we would take a deep breath, that we would recognize that ultimately this whole process is, is up to you. And, and, and whether a person understands their commitment or not, that, 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 is, on, that, that is something you will deal with them over. Father, certainly what we would expect for someone who's known the Lord for 10 years is different than what we would expect for someone who's known the Lord for 10 minutes. That that is discipleship. That's sanctification. We don't expect a convert of 10 minutes to have the commitment of of a disciple that's been in the faith for 10 years. Help give us wisdom. Um... To, to, to know and to see that and, 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 and to trust in the Holy Spirit to do His work, not just in their lives, but in our lives as well. So God, apart from, apart from Your Word, um, we, we're, we're shooting in the dark. So Lord, we pray that everything that we say, everything that we do, as best as we know how would be would be true and would line up with your word god thank you for this morning and thank you for all that you do it's in christ's name we pray amen would you please stand